0: Riverside.
1: Welcome back everybody to the backside ground balls podcast. Coming to you live on a Monday night here. I never imagined I'd have to say this, but we have a guest that's braving the elements of the cold weather right now to record this podcast outside. We have Tom Riley, the head coach at Goldie Beacom college coach Riley. How are we today? And, and I appreciate you taking this time out to sit in the cold and talk to us.
0: I'm wonderful, Trevor. Um, If it's okay, I might go in at some point. I had to let the dogs outside.
1: (laughs) It's 100%. Duty calls, right? You you don't want to have that conversation in an hour when the wife gets home and and (laughs) you didn't let the dogs out. No doubt. So to kick off this conversation, obviously, Dan and I are super excited to, for, to have you on and, and the conversation we're going to have. And, you know, we don't, as Dan likes to say, we don't want a buttoned up version of you. We want the full authentic version of you because we can talk about how good Goldie Beacom is as a college and we can sell the school. Uh, we we want to know you and, and your journey. And I'm going to give you a hypothetical scenario to kickstart the conversation. And you could tell me if you've heard this recently. You're a former college pitching coach. You step away from the game and move across the country. At some point along the lines, you start to think you want to get back into the game. Walk me through what that journey was like, why you walked away, and then obviously the process of getting back into coaching college baseball and obviously where you're at today.
0: Oh, you're talking about me.
1: (laughs) I thought you (laughs) were. That's that's the hypothetical there.
0: (laughs) made that so long ago I completely forgot um yeah I mean I did step away from the for a few years um you know my wife got a great opportunity and we moved across the country and I didn't have as many contacts out there but um now I forgot the question because I was so focused on coming back
1: <laughs> I know I te- I teased you there getting getting dad back. Just walk us through the journey, obviously of walking away, and then and then obviously how you got back into the game. What was kind of the itch, and and how did you really cure that itch when you weren't coaching as well? I think is something I'm curious of.
0: Well, I mean, it was the right thing at the right time for you know my family, and you know we moved to Texas, and you know when I did that, I think that I kind of thought that I would get back in at some point but i also um you know i i kind of decided hey you know i'm gonna try to be like a regular person and see how that goes and i didn't really like it um you know it just really i really enjoyed my time living in texas i mean um it's austin was an awesome place um you know family there i mean we had our my wife and i had our son there so it was great but from um a work standpoint i i definitely was not um fulfilled um and it, you know it's funny cuz when you know all the college baseball coaches we all always used like the recruiting thing we're like oh yeah when i was young i really wanted to win games and it was just all about the competition and then and then now that i'm older i realize it's about the relationships and You know, I know that's a lot of coach speak, and and I think both of those things are really important. I am competitive, and it is about relationships. But to be honest, I like having fun. You know, I mean, this is my life, and and we want. I want to do something I enjoy every day. I don't want to wake up and and you know rent you a car and sell you damage. I did that for a while. I don't want to deliver packages which i did i don't want to you know um file at like a state office you know i want to you know wake up every day and you know plan baseball practice and fix fields and you know hopefully not fix fields forever we can get some turf but um that's for (laughs) matt trait but um you know that's i look forward to that and you know that's why we like to we do it we do try to make it fun for the kids because you know I, I want to be around people that I enjoy being around so um somehow I got around to that from what did I did and in in, uh and how did I get that itch but you know I just you know one I, I focused on um trying to figure out ways to get back into it and do things that were more athletic so um you know I didn't really like what I was doing so then I got You know, I I, I figured out how to be a personal trainer for a while, and then that led to that led to uh, doing athletic training stuff, which led to being at a facility that I could train baseball players at, and then um, and then when the time was right, and you know, I started sending out resumes, and finally found a place that um, I had some kind of connection to, and. You know That is, to me, the thing that is the hardest when someone steps away from the game. I mean, it's tough to get a job unless you know somebody. And um, I don't even know if that's a bad—it's not that that's a bad thing, you know, um, because you want to know what you're getting. You know, as somebody that hires people, it's like, well, hey, you know, I'm going to hire somebody. Who am I going to hire if if Dan Galati knows somebody? Well, I trust Dan, and Dan says this guy I should trust. That's what I'm going to go with. So I was lucky enough to, um, you know, that a job opened at Delaware State, and um, and so happened to be a, a guy that I had known from Dominican in my first job, Sean Moran, who was, uh,
1: he's now an uh,
0: area scout with the Cardinals. Um, actually, I think he's a cross checker now, but he had been at Delaware State, and and I was able to, you know you know use him to he knew that I I would be able to handle that job at Delaware state and you know thankfully JP uh reached out to me gave me the opportunity and you know that was uh more than 10 years ago now maybe 10 11 years ago and and here we are
2: I first off I can't believe that that's been 10 11 years that's Oh yeah it's a I long time shit. ago Time flies Trevor's innuendo aside When you when you talk about you know trying to you started personal training and stuff to stay connected a little bit, how did you stay connected to college baseball? Like, were you were you I don't know, going to games? (laughs) Were you talking to people at Dominican still to you know
0: know a little bit? Not much. I mean, I lived in Texas, so um, I did go to like University of Texas baseball games, which is not anything like what my experience has been as a coach. Um right. a little a little bit different than uh playing at Schaefer Field at Dominican Whoa. with uh, no fence and no bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um but yes, um i I did go to a couple games like that. Um I actually um a couple times there were like prospect camp events in Texas That Skip at Dominican um, was like, "Hey, there's a prospect camp. You want to go to it?" And I went and sent him what sent him who I thought would be a good fit for him, and you know. So I they actually did have one kid that I went and saw from San Antonio, Texas that went to Dominican College. Had a good career too, and um, but yes, I did that. But I really didn't do much. I mean, um, I was more you know, like I just didn't have a connection there. I tried, uh, I tried to volunteer at a couple of the schools locally and, you know, they just didn't need me. And, you know, I understand it's like, okay, well, this is just a random guys, you know, emailing me and Hey, this is who our staff is. And everybody runs their staff differently. And, you know, um, those were some good schools and, and, um, they just didn't have a need for me at the time, but, you know, I did find a, a way to do a little bit of coaching with some summer ball teams and, and that, that was really good. And that got baseball at least back on my resume and, you know, led, led us here. So
2: you moved, you moved obviously then from, you went from New York to Texas and then Texas to Delaware, which like to think of I mean Delaware and New York are similar but Texas is not anything like those. So you go into Delaware state and whoop. I guess what was that experience when you first got there cuz one now you've gone from division 2 now you're in smaller division 1 but still division 1 a little different and you're in a completely new place working for a staff that you didn't know. What was your role and what was that experience like when you first got there?
0: Um it was great. Uh you know, it was um you know, there's definitely a little bit difficult cause I left, uh, my wife and, and son in Texas for another, uh, three months to try to get our house just so we could sell our house while I lived in like the, the Motel 8 in Dover, <laughs> <laughs> uh, until we could, until we grabbed a place. But, um, it was really good because we had, um, uh, an, an outstanding staff and, um, To be able to um, hop back into baseball and, you know, I'd been out for a while, but, you know, I was very proud of myself and thought I knew a lot. And to be able to come in and, you know, into a staff that did things a lot differently than what I was used to. I mean, we won a ton of games at Dominican and and Skip's still there winning games and, we did things a certain way and then at Delaware state they things were different um but they weren't worse they weren't better but like i mean jp's been there for a long time and won so many games and you know he's he's just he, he's he's taught me a lot about pitching and a lot about uh you know managing the team and then to have a staff where russ steinhorn and chris barker were on the same staff and um i mean russ is uh, not exactly sure but he was the minor league hitting coordinator for the cardinals uh last year he's probably either still that or has another promotion by now um and you know spent time on the big league bench and then chris Parker's is the ad at southern connecticut state so you know a lot of guys that have done some great things were all on that baseball staff which is no surprise while why you know it was running pretty good at the time you know um staff smart enough to maybe even recruit a a young daniel galati <laughs> but um yeah i mean they you know there's, the the organization level was just a little bit different um than what we had done than i'd seen in the past and charlie wants to be on the podcast
2: i love that
0: um but yeah it was it was it was great i mean i've learned from you know really great coaches so um it was it was awesome because I kind of um, was good about knowing my role and it was like, Hey, I came in and the fall it, it was just getting ready to start. So I wasn't there in the summer yet. So I was just like, my role was the catchers and I just came in and saw the three catchers and just tried to make them as good as, as good as they could be. And then my role just continued to expand as we were there. But, and that's kind of the way it, you know that's to me that's the way it should be is hey i've got a role and let me just do that as good as i can do it you know if my role is to rake the bullpen's and, and coach the catchers then i'm going to dominate that and i don't need to do anything more you know but i just need to be there and ready and when you know a few months later you're asked to do a little bit more then help, you know you're ready because you're just attacking everything you do it's like okay, well, if my job is to be the liaison to laundry, then me and Big O, we were best friends. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Big O, right, Dan?
2: Of course, great He's guy, an unforgettable character. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> nah, that that's awesome, and and I love that. And you know, the question I got to ask as you were talking there is obviously the ability to know your role in, in the situation when you kind of walked into a staff, and obviously that staff with where those people are at now was an impressive group, but. Obviously when you're at Dominican you had a lot more creative control you had a lot more responsibility how was that transition into a position where you had to you were only working with 3 guys was that the time frame that you spent away from the game where you kind of walked in knowing to be humble. Is that what kind of humbled you was the time away? Was that some lessons that you learned outside the game or was it just, you were just kind of came up with that and and kind of knew right away that, that knowing your role and doing that at the best of your abilities was kind of how you become a good coach.
0: Yeah. I mean, most things I've learned in baseball do really come from one guy. And I already probably had learned that from working with Skip at Dominican. Um, I mean, he's just, he really did teach me about how to work (laughs) and you know um, I I feel like I'm a a pretty decent worker but I don't think I always was growing up I was probably it's funny if um, some of the kids on the team would just see me when I was in college (laughs) and what I was like and you know he got me right out of college and just immediately you know just taught me how to work it was like if you want to do this it was like now he, you're right. He did give me a ton of responsibility. I think I walked in to his office the very first day, and he dropped like a bunch of note cards on my desk because wasn't like we had an iPhone or computers because this is in the year 2000. But he's like <laughs> these these are the recruits. You, you're the recruiting coordinator. Go get them. And I'm like, well, wow. what am I supposed to do? You know, and he was, you know, he's like, you better figure it out. <laughs> and and I just kind of had to figure it out on the fly. Um, not, not that he didn't, you know, help along the way. I mean, he's probably um, as good a closer <laughs> when it comes to recruiting as, as anybody you would see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he just taught me so much and just taught me that, you know, like how to work. And that's, that's really what it was. It's like, not that anything needs to be given to you. It's like, what was given to me was the opportunity. I mean, JP gave me the opportunity and then I have the opportunity. Well, that's, that's really what I needed. And, um, you know, I've always thought that, um, it's been being open-minded and being able to learn from a bunch of different people is really important. Um, and, and I love when somebody thinks things differently than me because then maybe I learn something, you know, maybe they learn something. Maybe I learn that what I thought originally is even, maybe I become more entrenched. But I don't know that until I listen and am open minded. I know that there's always everybody wants to debate on uh, new school, old school, this, that, whatever. And, you know, I, I'm, I'd, I'd rather not be in either group. Um, because to me, it's like having experience with an open mind, you can't beat <laughs> because I, I mean, I, I look at the way that I was six years ago and I'm just like, wow, like I didn't know anything, but I had an open mind and I kept learning, even though I think I, I don't think I didn't know anything, but I was just open-minded and Hey, this, this kids change, people change, the game changes a little bit. Um, So I have to have an open mind. However, all those experiences that I've had, they're really important. It's like, you know, like I've seen a lot now, like I used to like have great ideas, but hadn't seen anything. Well, now I don't know if I have as many great ideas, but I've seen so that I can get through some ideas and, and, and say, okay, well, this is good for us. This isn't for us. I mean, we're very, I mean, I know that it's funny that like we've had coaches before, um, maybe critical of us. And they think that that's like a put down and called us the, they called us the tech team or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, I actually would consider myself much more old school than that coach that criticized me yet. I'm open-minded enough to realize that, Hey, maybe running a video camera and seeing what our players are doing might help them get better. (laughs) So I don't know if I answered your question, but just in case the listeners didn't know, sometimes I talk too much. (laughs) (laughs)
2: no that's awesome i mean you're giving us exactly what we wanted and and a ton of good info there i want to go back a second to to dominican and you Ah. talked about how much you learned when you were up there i think some of those experiences are probably pretty good and our listeners would enjoy but i guess my thing is is give me if you could since you said you learned a lot if you off the top of your head give me like the two best lessons that you learned at your time in dominican because really i think just from working for you, the first couple years out of college, like I felt like I changed so much just in four years from when I first started there because of the things that you might not have even been intentionally teaching me, or Matt might not have been intentionally teaching me, but just observing. So, what were some things that you picked up up there, baseball or life related, that like you, when you went in, you had no idea that this was the way to go about things?
0: The one thing that, uh, you know, he really that was just awesome seeing uh, with him is he was so, so hard on players, Um, but not in a, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it because it's not the way that I am exactly. Um, You know, I think everyone should be their own personality. Um, And the players loved him for it. I mean, they they hated him a lot of the times, but w- the ones that made it through that program absolutely loved him, and just to watch uh, the way that that he handled in game, uh, where he was really hard during practice, and you know, there was a there was a very high there were very high expectations on our guys at practice and, but and he would be really hard early in the year in games and you didn't make mistakes and he would, he would let you hear about it. But then as the year went on, I mean, it was like he took the, you know, he, he held the, the horses really tight, I guess. And then just let them go in the playoffs. And it was like, it was like a different guy at the end of the year. And it was like, Oh my gosh. Like, and he was just like very positive and very like for them. And it, to me, that was like, I feel like that's the opposite of what you see a lot of coaches do. And it's why that if you look at, look at them, I mean, I think they've won 20 conference tournaments and like, the 32 33 years he's been coaching. I am just guessing the number. Um, but it's around that. And it's because like he really is hard on those kids and then you know when he's got talent and he you know just supports them at the end of the year and and lets them play because it's their time. You know they're really good in the tournament. And I've seen I've seen it to be the opposite. I've seen a lot of times and coaches started out you know, really easy and then realize, oh man, I, about to, I got I gotta crack the whip. And it's like, well, you should have cracked that whip at the start of the year. Cause right. if you set expectations for kids, they'll live up to them. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be, um, I don't know the word for it because, uh, <laughs> My, the language they used yes <laughs> <laughs> but if you set expectations high enough kids will kids will reach your expectations and and then you know letting them play the game and he let our guys play the game i mean we didn't we would steal a million bases and we didn't he wasn't there putting on steel signs we were we we're letting them go green lights and Um, You know, he did a great job of teaching the game and and, um, rewarding when when things should be rewarded. Um, So I I just thought that they were a great tournament team all the the time because, you know, when you looked at him in the tournament, like, he wasn't flipping out. Right. I know that you've seen him flip out before, Dan. (laughs) I have. But, but Trevor was there the that tournament. Tournament. day too. That was, that was, <laughs> no. that was regular season. <laughs>
2: yes, it was. <laughs> there was one of those awesome chairs they sit in at their stadium. Might have been may or may not have been thrown allegedly. That's all I'll say. May or may not.
0: <laughs> I was doing I was was coaching our team.
2: <laughs> right. Right. Yes, you were. I may I'm allegedly. Um the last thing I'll ask about the past before we, you know, then we can talk about the present where you're at now, but so when you, you know, a lot of times I think that you kind of, when you start coaching because you feel like you're, you know, you're someone that the players are obviously listening to, that's your role. And a lot of times we take um, from the people that we played under or coached under for a long time to kind of build who we are as coaches. Um, I know at least I did a little bit. What, if anything, because I I mean, working for you for four years and I played for you for two, I wouldn't say you were ever quite, you know, like To me, it's just you, who you are. Do you think that you learned and and would mimic some of the things that you saw? Or do you think you kind of always just had that feel of like, I'm just here because, like you said, I'm just here to have fun and I'm going to work as hard as I can and do my job?
0: Sure. I mean, I think you steal something from everybody, don't you? Um, Right. There's, I mean, there's so many things that, like, you know, that I say that I heard Skip say or things that I heard JP say, or things that I heard my college coach, Dick Naylor say, um, you know, there. you know, there's things that I, there's things that I say that I heard Dan say, Dan Galati. I had a pitching right. coach and I take things from, from him. I take things from powers. I, I even, there's, there's a coach that, that's really good that, I mean, he's weird and he watches NASCAR and, 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 hates pumpkins, but like, uh, you know, you go to these camps and you talk to coaches and there's good coaches there. And it's like, Hey, here's Brian Torsani. And, you know, he's, you know, probably it's four o'clock and he's not paying attention anymore because he's got <laughs> his assistants that work so hard for him. But, you know, you, you pick his brain he can tell you things that, you know, that he's thinking about. And, um, you know, I, I pick up, I try to pick up things from all these people and, you know, and then just be my genuine self, you know. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I kind of want to go back to, to something you said, you know, with Skip when you're at Dominican. And, you know, it was something that I when I was with Tor for the last year, it was the psychology of understanding what makes guys tick. Is that kind of what you think like Skip at Dominican had that was so unique? Obviously, when you're recruiting kids from Long Island in New York, that's a different breed, and you might not be able to bring that energy to a different area. But was he just basically like a master of psychology? And and how did that help you in learning how to interact with 40, 45 guys and motivate each of them differently?
0: Yeah. Um <sighs> It's hard to know, is he a master of psychology or is he just a, you know, just a good guy? (laughs) I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he did. He, he didn't treat all the players the same. He, he, everybody, he had a different relationship with each, each guy, but he treated them all fairly and they all had, you know, the same high expectations, but like, you know, um, you have a. 25 year old uh junior outfielder with a kid he had a different relationship with him than he did the uh, 18 year old freshman you know um you know division 2 baseball and ai baseball back then uh you know we we did we had my first uh time coaching and we had two guys that were um that were older than me <laughs> that were on the team. Wow. And when we, we used to take vans to the game. Thankfully that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, at least at Goldie, we take charter buses, but I drove one van. Um, our right fielder, Chris Penzak drove another van. And then our third baseman, Larry Villar, he drove the other van because both those guys, we were all 25. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so you tried to drive vans and skip sat with me. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, you know, I can't imagine what was going on in the other vans.
2: That's incredible. That is just absolutely unbelievable. But they were they
0: were certified drivers from the school. They were 25 years old
2: <laughs> and they could clear insurance cuz they're 25. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a phenomenal story. I, I right when you started talking about it, I, I knew that's where you were going and I I was like the just imagining in 2022 players drive 2023 players driving vans to games just doesn't register in my brain but to think about that that's that's awesome. So,
0: but um, obviously think that you just, yeah. I'm sorry. You just said, you just, you need to, you want to treat all the players fairly, but like each kid needs something different. I mean, mm-hmm. like one kid's going to need a lot more of your attention than the other. And, you know, you just have to be able to recognize that. And, you know, unfortunately we're human and you probably don't recognize, you know, everything. Cause we do have, uh, quite a few players, but the nice thing about, uh, us at Goldie is we do have a large enough staff that we're able to give guys a little bit more attention and because I have such you know good assistant coaches I can float around and you know Dan would you know I would be a thorn in Dan's side because he would have the pitchers doing what they were supposed to do be doing and then I could come in and you know get them off kilter a little bit because you know You know, here's the the head coach coming in and, you know, joking around with my guys when I finally have them, you know, know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. And um, (laughs) but that's the nice thing at Goldie is I mean, we have so many great, great coaches that we can hopefully see when when guys need a little bit more attention um, or not.
1: Yeah, that's and it's. It's so interesting because we, we were actually, we want, I wanted to talk about that specifically. So, so I'll kind of just ask you, um, and we'll kind of build off of that. You mentioned how the great assistants and uh, you don't need to fluff Dan on here. You can fluff Matt, <laughs> but we have no problem doing that, but no, no for Dan. But, you know, one of the things that at least from my perspective, you know, I played for you for a year and, you know, coached in back to back years was the ability of you to delegate and just be the CEO of the whole operation was probably the most impressive thing I'd seen. Um, and it was like when you first walk in, it kind of it's weird because you go to other programs and the head coach wants creative control and he's working with positions and, and things like that. But then you start to see the kind of the genius in in how the operations run in just like you're the helping hand. Where did that come from? And and was there ever a point where you did have to subordinate your ego to kind of allow your assistants to work or is that just something you've always had that's just been like hey like i know i'm not the smartest guy in the room let's let these guys do what they need to do
0: well um i would say that uh making hand in my assistant's responsibility does make me the smartest guy in the room
1: it does 100 (laughs) percent. yes
0: no um seriously uh it is tough and it was um it is not the way that it always was. Um, it you know, I've kind of figured it out to get to that point, and I think the reason that we're able to, I'm able to delegate right now is because we just have so many good guys around me. In year one, it it was like um, me and Matt that I didn't know very well. You know, we had just kind of met and by the time when we get to the year, I mean, he'd won me over because it's just the, the work ethic that he had. Um, and then we had, you know, Mike Torres with us and Taylor Vile and Chris Lougheed. And so we had a lot of guys, but like Mike is awesome, who is my boss now. This is just an <laughs> athletic director at Goldie Beacom, but he was our pitching coach. And uh, Taylor, in, but he was first year out of college. Taylor was first year out of college, coaching our infielders. And uh, Chris Lowheed was a, a good baseball guy in the area, but was more of a he. He didn't have much time, so he was just here and there when he could be around. So it really was like whatever I thought we needed, I did. And I started out where I was like, I'm going to be with the pitchers and Matt, you're with the hitters. And then, and then I flip flopped that because I was like, oh, we need to score more and we need to do this. We need to do that. And I was not good at delegating. It's like, I was very bad at it. I wanted, um, you know, everything to, it's not that I wanted everything to be about me, but I just wanted it run a certain way. And Um, I don't know that I was organized enough and able to do it, but uh, I guess I realized the error in my ways. And I mean, like I said, Matt had won me over from the start and he's as good a hitting guy as can be. So, uh, you know, I think I know a little bit about hitting, but because he's such a good hitting guy, well, I don't have to mess to do anything. So then I tried to Gear, veer more towards the pitchers um, that next year, and we brought in a a, a great assistant that's still with us, Mike Payton, that came in to coach our outfielders, and um, he's such a good such a good outfield coach. I mean mean, was like, man, this, our outfielders all of a sudden are really good, and so then we're like, well, the next next year, we're like, well, what can we do? Well, like, let's let him coach our infielders too. And, you know, before you know it, now we're sitting here where he's, like, our defense – he's our defensive coordinator. And, like, I don't call the defense. Like, well, if we're going to put on a bunt play or, um, you know, we're, we're going to bring the infield in, it's it's not usually for me. Every once in a while he might look and, and ask me what I want to do, and usually my answer would be, like, I don't know, what do you think? Because sometimes we bring the infield in and I – and me – I'd keep him back, but I trust him and he brings them in and it's usually the right, it's usually the right move. Um, like he's, he's as good. a. I shouldn't say he's as good a defensive coach that I've been around. He's as good a coach as I've been around because if, we, if Mike were in charge of the hitters would dominate the, with the hitters too. He's a great short game coach. He's a great base running coach. So Um, by having all these great coaches around, I was like, Matt, you're in charge of the hitters. You know, Mike, you're in charge of the defense. And that let me be more with the pitchers and then we got Dan and then, you know, and you know, I trust Dan. So then now shoot, Dan's got the pitchers. So it was really like, well, what's left for me to do? And, you know, I'm like, oh well, I guess I'll 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 try to coach base running. (laughs) You know, So you know, I did a little bit of that and I think this year I'm going to do less of that. So, um, it's, it's, there's just so much to do to make sure that everything's going along together. Um, I think it's just smarter if you, if you to have really great people in place and you let them do their job. Now I would say the one thing is I, I do, it does take me a while to trust people. Um, and, you know, you know, this guy comes in and like, I mean, Dan, Dan Dan's first year as pitching coach, like Dan's, Dan's as good a pitching coach. I know he's just a podcast guy now, uh, <laughs> you know, but he's as, he's as good as pitching coach that I've worked with and been around. But like his first year, my hands were all over that, you know, I was meddling into everything. And then there's a point where it was just like, oh, wow, like, what am I doing? I need to to go over here and you know deal with this because if my mind's not muddled up and you know in one aspect of it, I can see the whole thing and you know and and I definitely think that that's where we did get a lot better at managing in the game. I think that our development has gotten a lot better um, because one person doesn't have to do everything, um, so. Yeah, I mean we have we have outstanding coaches. We got great ones now. I mean we still have Matt and Mike, um, and they're in those they're in those roles. But I mean, Bill Marriott, <laughs> Bill Marriott's a, I mean what a what a great hitting guy he is. I mean he's he's got like a lot of the role that that Trevor that you had that, I mean you just can't go with like hitting so mental and uh, guys. Guys need a, a calm voice in the dugout that knows that knows their swing, that knows knows when it's time to talk about their swing, knows when it's time not to talk about their swing. And Bill Bill is outstanding, so he's he's there for that. Um, Kevin Allen's a first year uh, assistant coach for us, and like he's right now, he's kind of everything. Um, he's just the guy that's hustling and does the field and he makes sure the video set up and he makes sure that you know he's doing all the drill work for the defense with Payton and he's there for trait with all the the hitting drill work I mean you know he probably has a, a bigger role than everybody because he just doesn't have just one thing. And um, you know we have a new pitching coach this year, Kyle Hinton, who just got out of pro ball, and you know he's doing a great job, and he really relates to the guys, and um, you know really knows pitching. And what's awesome is we got our, we got our old uh, old assistant back uh, not too long ago, Tom Cockhill. So um, you know, which just just another really great baseball mind that just you know helps our pitching staff and you know, it helps see the game. I mean, some of the things that he picks up and that's the thing. It's like, you know, everybody picks up, you know, different aspects of it. And, you know, we get our heads all together and, you know, you know, I'm the one that I guess just gets to, you know, walk out and, and turn in the lineup card.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I mean, it's, it, the environment was always so much fun for for someone like me who was getting into the college game and, and spending four years there and and being with a staff that big that, like you said, everybody's voice mattered and everybody's opinions were different, and unique and to work under you to be able to do that. And I guess where I'm going with this is is when you started, like you said, it was you for a long time when you first got the job right before you even hired an assistant. It was you for a good while. And now you've turned it into something where you have help and the player development thing you touched on, which me and Trevor love to to talk about on here, and when you got well, yeah, the job I mean, it there, was, it
0: was it was me for it was me for a couple months, um, right? But Matt was Matt was uh, Matt was there. He he he. I think he just beat out our first player. I'm not going to say who that player was, but I think he got in just before him. Wow! If you know what that's, I'm talking about, I do. And <laughs> that was impressive. our. Run. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, but Matt was, uh, you know, Matt actually I think emailed me the day that they announced that I got the job and I didn't know who he was. And I was like, oh, okay, well that's good to know. And, and, you know, and I was, you know, I had a huge ego and I was like, well, that's great that, you know, you have some experience and you're in the area, but like, you know, I got to get out and recruit. I got no players. Um, but I think it was about, uh, I don't know if it was a month or two months later that, you know, I called him up and, and, and he came in and, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not the best. I feel like, I feel like I'm pretty good at hiring because that for some reason I've had a lot of really good people work for me, but I don't run the typical interview. So, you know, he shows up and, you know, comes into the office and we're sitting there and I was like, ah, you want to walk around campus? We can talk. And, so I show him all around campus show him everything we have we just talk about baseball and it was like I don't know three or four hours and just kind of what we do now um, so obviously we got along pretty well right away and it, and then he was like oh yeah it's like uh, go out and he had his uh, fiance at the time his wife now <laughs> mother of his uh, two children was in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was in the parking lot, so he was like, uh, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess he thought he was just gonna come in and meet this guy that maybe, maybe I could get, make a catch on with, and we kind of hit it off and, and started talking, and I don't know, I mean, she was probably on her phone, and, and it was probably <laughs> fine, but it was uh, it was a it was a really good first meeting, and like he was, I mean, he's. You know him in recruiting. He he doesn't stop, right. and uh, you know I love recruiting, and I've always loved recruiting. But like as you get older and you have kids and a wife, it's you start to be like, okay, well, I know we got to do this, but <laughs> you know, would I rather you know call this kid tonight or would I rather you know, you know, watch my daughter you know sing the Eagles song on her piano. Which right. you know, which is crazy, Dan. I'm from Indiana and lived in Texas, and I'm I'm raising like a, a Delco girl.
2: Well, we don't I'm, love
0: Delco. I
2: couldn't be more proud. I just <laughs> want to say that I'm happy that she's getting indoctrinated into it, and obviously, uh, you know, you know where my heart lies. So I'm very excited to hear that. Oh yeah, um, she's the
0: best. I mean, she's awesome. But <laughs> my point is, I would much rather, you know, right be having a dance contest with her but like what's great is this Matt is just so on it and he keeps me honest and it's like you know he knows that I'm not going to maybe you know choose a recruit over Maggie but he's going to be on top of me so that way the next day that I'm on top of that and you know I my recruiting call it you know noon today when she's at school and you know as long as we manage our time you know we can continue to be great recruiters and great coaches and also you know you know great with our family so he's he's really uh i mean he he's he's so important to you know goldie beacom and myself and i know you and and trevor because just you know like we we i think the common theme is, is is how hard you work and that's he uh, there's there ain't i mean he works really yeah, might hard not be a person uh, like he's he's got like five other jobs I think and and he's a great dad and he's just pretty special.
2: Yeah, he's a he's a rare individual that you don't come across very often. Like yeah, he's
0: like a good friend too, a great <laughs> like, friend. Like, like, like he, Dan 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 knows. Like Dan left us Trevor and I, I don't ever call him. I do now <laughs> but I'm about pitch stuff or I'm, call, I'm I. I only call people when I need something from them. Matt, like Matt will call Dan and ask him how Georgia football is. Dan knows yep. I don't care.
2: Nope. <laughs> Matt's called me about once a week since I left, uh, right. just now to see I how call I'm Dan doing. Two
0: times a week because the season's getting ready to start. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. That's about. That's exactly how it's In gone, the and ball, I love Dan all got of them. Nothing from me. Nope. Yeah. Exactly. But. I, I appreciate any type of phone call from either of you, so it doesn't matter. Um, I'm
0: like, how does this rap soto work? <laughs> how do I charge the rap soda That was a phone call. <laughs> I mean, it's sad. I know how the rap. I, I know what the with the with the, the metrics mean on the rap right. but I never had to be the one to to charge it. <laughs> 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 I, I could just get the report. And, oh, okay. <laughs> I like the exactly. slide. <laughs> maybe we can clean this up. <laughs> I had oh, man. Jobs.
2: <laughs> I'm glad you bring up Soto cuz just real quick, you I I mean, obviously it's grown and it's changed and I I you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like when I first got there, we were very heavy into doing all of that and then we kind of found a balance in when to use it and when not to use it. How do you how did you kind of develop that cuz you know, when you were at Dell State Rap soda wasn't a thing, and then you get no. to goldie Beacom and 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 you know now this stuff becomes available, and more and more stuff every year and how have you kind of found that balance between these are the metrics we need this is the stuff that's useful, and whoa, this is too much
0: uh i don't know i, I wish I, if you know then that let me know and yeah i I leaned on you and uh, it, it's hard because I think that the most important thing is making these guys as good a baseball players as they can be. But at the same time, college baseball is such a team game. Um, so I did hear somebody not too long ago, um, uh, say this and I looked at it and I'm like, this is something that we had, we had done pretty well. And I don't know how well we have done it this year or not, but you know, well that's left to be seen at the end of the year. But, um, the fall is is all about the individual and making sure that that player becomes the best player that they can be. And not that that's not the focus still in the spring, but then we you turn around to the spring and it really has to be about the team. And, you know, in the fall, you know, you should probably prioritize, you know, velocity and stuff um and then in the spring you know we're going to prioritize command and um you know controlling the running game and you know things that help the team win because um, i i think you can do both and there's got to be a balance and i tell you what we didn't really have uh, uh rap soto out much in the fall this year um and we have it we're kind of backwards to what i'm saying because we have it out now um but i I just think that it's case to case and year to year and and i think that we had um a bunch of uh like good young pitchers that we just wanted to have an opportunity to pitch in in games in the fall and uh get some experience under their belt because we want to be able to um you know use them in the spring and then now we're we're collecting data that they all have access to it but we don't hit on it very much i mean i i kind of think that what's good about it is, is you don't have to sit and stare at the at the ipad and well, oh, this is what this is doing. This is what this is doing, blah, blah, blah. Like if we're say in a facility and we're trying to clean up somebody's slider or kill some, um, kill some of the spin on their changeup. But what it does is we can, we can collect that data and then we have profile on, on what our guys do. And what that can do is then we can say, okay, well, one, this is maybe how we can use guys, which you were about as good as anybody with that. You know, the fact that you'll take a 84, 84 to 86 mile an hour right handed pitcher and tell everybody we're just going to live up in the zone and, and, and never come down below the waist and just dominate guys um, because of the way his stuff profiled. It wasn't your regular mid 80s right hander. But. So we can we can take that without maybe doming them up about it. You know, I mean, would the guys hear us talk about you know some of the things that you know we think is important? Um, You know, I mean, I want our guys to trust our stuff, and so we do use Rap Soto, and 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 when you can tell them as you show them on the Rap Soto, look how good your slider is. You don't need to throw this out of the zone. Be in the zone with this. Like, look how good your stuff is. It's like, you know, we don't need to go to the edge of the plate, you know. Um, You know, some guys can do that because they can command it. But it's like, well, hitting's hard, you know. Fill up the strike zone with your good stuff, and we're going to be successful. I mean, you know, I'm sending our our pitchers right now, like, how they do it for live outings, and – like really, the the only metric that I'm giving them is how many three ball counts they had. <laughs> like, you know, like oh, we don't want four, we we don't want five three ball counts in a game. You know, right. like it's funny. Like we look at the it's, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how we came up with it, Dan, but the two of us came up with that three ball count thing where it was like because we always did the a three ps and the first pitch strikes and it's like those are good. But then you're like, okay, well, this guy stinks at first pitch strikes and he just continues to get guys out and he doesn't walk guys. So well, this guy is great at A3Ps, but he isn't that great on the mound. And it's like the one thing that was like, that that I think we saw was like, guys that don't go three balls on hitters, like, they don't get hit and they don't right. walk guys. You For know? Sure. I mean, it's funny. Like, we are over. And then when we get three balls, over half of the times we get three balls, we walk a guy. Well, so if over half we're walking somebody and then 3-2 count, Trevor, you know, like hitters like 3-2 counts. Mm-hmm. Hitters don't always like 2-2 two, two counts. Right. But So why are we nibbling on 2-2? Two, two? <laughs> right. You know, let's, let's attack. And it doesn't mean that we're going to attack with a fastball. I mean – you know in our program you got to be able to spin and you got to be able to throw your change up in any count but you don't have to nibble with it and and that is to me that's that's the spring so that's what they're hearing a lot of they don't hear a lot of um you know that they have to fill up the strike zone in the fall i want them to throw hard and have great stuff now i want them to throw hard and be in the zone Zone, yeah (laughs) um you know I still say throw hard. I don't know that we throw that hard, but, like, I also don't think that – I don't think it's very easy to command when you're not trying to throw the ball hard. I agree. I I think you need effort to to be able to put the ball where you want it to. So, like, and some of these kids are talented. When they just stop trying to place it, um, they get a lot better. So um, what's the – What's the answer, though, to Soto? Like I think it's just different for different guys. I mean, you'll find there's certain guys that it tells you that, man, these two pitches are too similar. And then you just need the experience uh, of the coach to figure out which one do you need to change, you know? Because I, I know just thinking of a guy on our team right now, and I know the way that um, people in the past have viewed it, his – his, he throws a really hard changeup, and in in the past he's always been told to 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 cut that back, cut that back, right. cut that back. But you look at it, look at it, and that changeup is a, a really good pitch. But then it's his fastball that needs to change, and right. it's like, okay. Well, what <laughs> what can we do to get a little bit more right out of your fastball? Like, are you, are you, do you have a death grip on your fastball? Um, you know, how are we, you know, what are you thinking when you throw the fastball? What are you trying to do with it? And, you know, I, I think he's getting like, and it, it is exciting because, you know, it's a guy that ticked up the last couple of weeks and he's ticked up. He's thrown harder before, but it's just like, Hey, you know, like the answer isn't always, you know, doesn't mean that we're right. Maybe the, the guy, the guy, the other guy was right. And, and we're going to mess them up. But, you know, I, I thought that – I think that that is what having that data is good for because you'll be like, well, why is this guy's pitch getting hit? He's, he's throwing pretty good. And you look at it and you're like, oh, well, because it looks like this one. And right. he's throwing them both and they look the same. So it's just kind of turning you into a two-pitch guy. Um, so I, I guess that's how we use it. <laughs>
1: No, that's that's great, and there's so much to unpack there. Um, you know, I th- I think that you made a couple really good points, and and one I'd want to you know kind of hear your perspective on just from your experience alone is you mentioned not doming up guys, especially when it comes to the information. How was that balance of the transition of when you finally got to the point where you wanted to utilize the information? And wanting to explain why and explain what, why it works. And then how do you transition almost to not make guys, you know, paralysis by analysis and, you know, have that balance of hey, this is good information, but we can't have you turning around for the iPad after every pitch you throw, or we can't have you looking at the rap hitting rap. Soto at the, oh, how hard did I hit that? No, we have to stay within the process and the approach. So how was that balanced from your whole career of seeing, you know, obviously the onslaught of technology. And I mean, I think we're almost swinging back to, to the middle ground, which is where everything is of like, hey, it's a useful tool, but we're going to put it away most of the time.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're, I think we're in a good, good area that we are, um, back to the middle ground a little bit. I don't know if I have the answer to how do you not dome guys up because I think the answer is that guys are used to it now. <laughs> um, it used to be, at the very you know start of my career when you didn't see radar guns very much, that when one came out. Oh, man, people were like, oh, and they threw to the radar gun because there it was. Well, now radar guns are everywhere. So, like, you know, like, you don't worry about putting it on a guy because they're just used to it. It's like, you know, we got a pitcher that's on, on, you know, that's rehabbing something. Well, I'm going to put the radar gun on him because I want to know where he is and keep him in a certain range. So, like, it's not, it's the same thing as the Rapsodo. They're just so used to the Rapsodo being there that, like, you know, the first time you you use it, like anything, it's cool. Oh, wow, that's cool. It's, uh, you know, oh, they have 10% efficiency. And they're like, oh, what's that mean, coach? And it's like, well, honestly, 10% efficiency doesn't mean anything. It's nothing more than one metric. There's a a million of them that go into, you know, um, the shape or profile of that pitch. So... That's the thing like I, I I just think that they're so used to it and there's certain guys that are going to dive into it and that you probably can dome up dome up from it and there's others that just don't even care. It's just like give me the ball like cool you think my slider's good well I call it a curveball and I'm going to keep ball <laughs> you old, <laughs> old. <laughs> I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's 20% efficiency or not. It's my curveball, right? So, you know, they just don't care. That's, and that's great. You know, like at the end of the day, I mean, you know, guys that compete are what you want. You want guys that are really competitive and um, having some technology to, to kind of, reaffirm where your eyes are i mean that's what me and dan would talk about a lot is like um before rap soto you liked certain things about a guy and now it's like it almost like somebody could send us a rap soto profile and we go oh i think i know what that that kid slider is going to look like. And then we'd see video and it'd be like, Oh yeah, it looks like that. And it's like, okay, well this guy, you know, this guy throws a heavy ball. Brandon Ferry throws a heavy fastball. And it's like, you know, and it's funny. We always would like to criticize people because, and I've been this guy too, but you know, we'll use these baseball terms. Right. Hey, it throws a heavy ball. You know, he, you know, it's just heavy. And it's like, well, what's that mean? You know, it doesn't mean that that's five ounces. <laughs> it's not like we put extra mud on it, but like, you know, the heavy ball, you know, now like it's low spin. Right. Or, you know, he's, you know, it's a guy that can kill or the guy that maybe his efficiency, of he's not so efficient with the spin. So now that's why the ball is heavy and sinking, <laughs> you know, um, it's it it's just something to um affirm that we're right or say that maybe you know we weren't right about something i mean it, it has definitely helped guys so like i don't want it to go away um what i would like is uh <laughs> i don't know for it to to not just it just, there's always just a new thing every year that costs just a little bit more. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Funny how that works. Have to, and you just have to make up your mind things. I mean, you know, we've had a couple things that we thought we were all in on and, and, and I think that, you know, it was great, but we didn't think that we didn't trust the data it was giving us. And I'm not going to say what it is because that's. Probably not the right thing to do, but we had something that I thought was an outstanding product, and it, we just didn't trust what it was telling us because we we followed it close enough, and we thought it was something that could really help guys, and you know, and it doesn't mean that I won't go back to it because that's the thing with some of this technology; it does keep getting better, as much as everybody's, uh, you know, every college baseball coach is probably cursed at Soto before because of you know the, the it's too bright in the background or the app's not good or this isn't good it is getting better i mean it, it like you know it, it it does continue to tell you more um and and i'm sure that the programs that you know have track man and uh you know some of the higher cost is probably the same thing that the the technology does just keep getting better and you know it's great it helps the kids and you know helps us and just might be one more thing for you know an assistant coach or to to manage
2: <laughs> um I, one more thing to manage has made me smile there because <laughs> it was like, a, oh man, I forgot. The the feeling of a bullpen day and forgetting to charge a rap soto used to be like my stomach would just drop. <laughs> it be like, gosh darn it. Well, um,
0: now to wanna- have to charge the pitch com.
2: <laughs> right well that i would have never that would have never i would that would take me so long to remember to charge the stinking pitchcom. com a, i'm good we're not
0: allowed to use an ipod this year
2: dan yeah well the air the airpod and phone was just such a good workaround last year and unfortunately um now we I'm have not to allowed to make money <laughs> <laughs> but i uh i, I kind of want to swing off this real quick and i don't know if this is a question you can even answer here but the one thing that I mean, I always felt my time, and again, this might be a personal opinion, but we just had so much fun. Like the most fun I ever had on a baseball field was the four years at Goldie. And, and um, you know, I think the success leaves clues a little bit. And and some of that was just the culture that ended up being there in the sense that, you know, everybody who was out there seemed like we were just all having fun. From you down throughout all the coaches and all the players. We told the story the other day on the mailbag of Trevor. Trevor at, on at a road game. <laughs> You know, never having to wear a hat, but also having his pants rolled up, just, you know, soaking in the sun and all the times that we had in the dugout and enjoyed ourselves and kind of, was that your vision when you took over and and what went into building that culture?
0: Well, number one, I didn't see Trevor that day. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not that I would have freaked out like Torsani would, but I didn't see it. Um... I I did know that Trevor didn't wear a hat and I mean, Trevor has good hair. (laughs) Trevor has good hair. (laughs) um, You know, Trevor didn't go on the field. You know, if if Trevor had coached a base, he would have put a, he would have put a helmet on. And if he had to uh, go out and take a pitching mound visit, he would have put a hat on, you know, like I, I feel like uh, as the pitching coach, you wore a hat because, you didn't always wear it in the dugout, I don't think. But, no, not all the time. No, you know, I don't know. I just didn't think it. I didn't think it mattered. <laughs> and I know some people. <laughs> and I understand that because I came from a place where it Like, ma- I mean, I took, skip is uh, one of my favorite people of all time, and and I didn't show up to the field without having my um, my turf shined. <laughs> right. So, um, that's but I also think to each their own, everybody should be their own uh, person. And that is not uh, as important. Details are important to me, but those aren't the details that that I care about. Um, So I'm not sure exactly what the question was, but yes, we had fun. Uh, Trevor, I guess, climbed a fence, which... (laughs) to me is just getting the job done because if the camera wasn't working 100 percent, 100 percent, we need to get that done um what was the
2: question i get i just want to know because the I, I mean the culture there the col- the culture is that and it's not uh, that, it's that no not one like, it's not that we're not taking it seriously it's you, I, everyone's serious
0: you know i mean the culture it, it, we are serious i mean we love baseball so we want to have right. fun like if you don't like baseball you wouldn't have fun in our program. It's right. not like we show up and and hand out lollipops and go on circus rides. <laughs> we just we're just not um, we're just not uh, going through baseball in a militaristic style, which is what a lot of places do. Um, but that's that's just not who we are. But if you don't like baseball, you would absolutely hate going to one of our practices. You just wouldn't that's- like it. You'd just be like, well, all these people are laughing and smiling and having a good time. And they're not doing anything but, like, fielding ground balls and <laughs> pop-ups or, you know, taking swing. I mean, it, it's because we love the game. And, um, you know, and I really respect the game. I just don't think that my assistant coach needs to wear a hat in the dugout to do it. I wear a hat. Just not – he doesn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, um, you know, I thought you were going to talk about the Bloomfield game, how you didn't want me to sit by you because I was, you,
2: if you want to tell that story, you can, I didn't, no, I wasn't I... going to bring, <laughs> 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 there was, there was nothing but love in our dugout. That's all I know. Yeah. I there feel like you, always... prob-
0: you probably tried to make a guy go off the plate with, uh, <laughs> with like a one two count or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> we don't want to go off the plate there, Dan. it was something along those lines correct yes it
2: was exactly like that we we might have missed our spot but hey that's gonna happen in the course of a year um (laughs) might have been the only time i ever criticized you it was the only time (laughs) and that was one of the um, you know like we talked about before you you used to let me work and and let me learn kind of you know through experience and ask any questions and like i said it was yeah
0: like i mean our culture i mean I, i we do tell kids and um, you know, I mean, we love winning games here, so it, that is what it's about, but we don't go out there and talk about winning and you're like, Hey, well, i am be a great teammate and let's have more fun than any team in the country. And that is what, what I want from our guys. I, I want them to, to play really hard. I want them to play for one another. And I want them to have fun. So, you know, you're going to see, like, it's funny. Like, I'm, I am I am going to be frustrated at guys when they start getting frustrated with themselves. Like, that one's over. <laughs> you know, move on to the next one. Because you're not helping the team by focusing on the fact that, you know, y- y- you struck out. You know, helping the team would be moving on and going out and making a great play defensively. Or, you know, telling the next guy up in, in the order, you know, what you saw and helping them out. And I think that, um, we're getting there with that culture. Um, you know, not to be, uh, you know, too lovey-dovey on the guys that, in front of me, but I think you guys were a big part of that. And like, I mean, Trevor came in, um, and in in the one year as a player, and then the one year as a coach in the program, it changed a lot of things in the way that I looked at things. Cause, um, while Everything is about having fun with me, and I'm probably a little bit more relaxed. That's probably that's not as natural. I mean, (laughs) you know, I think there was a game that I saw that we had had these really cool like uh uh uh, short short
1: sleeve hoodies,
0: (laughs) and like I I go and Trevor's like you know like warming up before the game or whatever, and he's got it zipped down all the way, and he (laughs) shirt, and I'm what. I'm like what the hell what are you and I I just I wanted to go nuts because it didn't look it wasn't what we wanted to look like and then I just kind of like realized that well okay well this is also the same guy that is you know teaching some of these young pitchers and young position guys that we have uh, about college baseball and how to act and how to how to be a great teammate? And I'm like, well, damn! Like he's just like the best teammate we have here. And if he looks like that, well, then I, I guess maybe we're going to allow that. And um, I don't know who's going to look like that this year, but Mitt Ferrari did look like that for a couple of years. Yes, <laughs> he did. <laughs> in, in forever. So um, you did you did wear a shirt when you coached, and I appreciated that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the things that Ed, this is I, I wanted to make a statement real quick. And because you mentioned it is like, we have so much we had so much fun. And, and you mentioned being detail oriented. It's what you will you specifically set the culture to allow me to be unapologetically me but there was a trust in the fact that you knew I was taking it serious. And like you said, like even warming up for that game and, you know, being a guy that was just kind of trying to keep the the culture molded at the end of the bench and, and be there. Like I took that so seriously and like I was allowed to be unapologetically me, which allowed me to have success doing that. And I think that if that was, and again, from this, is just from my experience, if that might've been taken away, like I might like, you might be shutting down an athlete who's just trying to be a good, like there was no harm in what I was trying to do. I was always focused on the work. I was always focused on the game. And like, I know it's fun and probably for like the guys and the guys at Arcadia, they know I'd like to have fun, but like there is a seriousness to the work we did. And it comes off as like, this guy really didn't give a crap, but like I did. And there was like detail oriented thought process to that. So I did just want to cut it and not necessarily (laughs) defend myself, but also compliment you because like, in that scenario, I know how hard it is to, to not want to be like, Hey, what are we doing? This is how, but it was, it allowed me to grow and to be the person I am today. Like I know as a coach, I think I had success because I was allowed to flourish in that position.
0: Well, if <laughs> I definitely did not mean anything, negative, I meant it as the most pop. Yeah. I know if we'd said uh, powers, you, you're going to go run or you're going to go hit or you're going to do anything. You were ready. You were locked into the game, you you were in every pitch. So uh, you know, the culture here is everybody within it. And it, you know, Dan did ask me the question before: Is this what I envisioned for our culture? And it's probably not because it's it's gr- it grows. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I I came up with like the catchy little, you know, core values. We still believe in them, but that's, that's not what the culture has become. You know, the culture, you know, all those core values still matter in our program, but the, you know, the culture of the people in it and, you know, I think it's as good as it's been right now and I hope that it can just continue to get better. But, you know, it's like, Hey, if you ask me, like, why is our, you know, why is our culture so good right now? I don't know. I would say like, I don't know. Kyle Walker, Johnny <laughs> Campus, uh, you know, uh, Braden Colemansberger, you know, Jake Vitale. I mean, just like the the guys on our team, you know, um, you know, Justin Jump, you know, just just randomly throwing out different names. But that that the, that is our culture, you know, those guys, um, and. You know, I, I am here to guide it, and our coaches, you know, guide it, and you know we we try to influence uh, the way that our guys attack baseball on a daily basis. But you know, it, it's them that, that either buys in or decides not to, and and it'll it'll continue to change, and just you know, because we're going to learn more about you know our kids, and learn more about baseball, and learn more about life. So, um, yeah, that's, it's not what I envisioned, but it's, I'm really happy where we are.
1: Well, well, if there's anything that, that we can learn from that, and it's that a culture is an embodiment of their skipper and their leadership. So that's what everything you're saying. I know you're not using it as a compliment to yourself. You're complimenting the guys, but it's a, it was set, the tone was set by you and, and the culture was built by you. And and that's the reason the culture is as strong as it is. And I'm sure anybody who listened to this podcast can understand why, uh, hearing you talk about, you know, your journey from, from Dominican all the way till now, you know, your conversations with us about just the person, the, the ability to build relationships and, and how meaningful those relationships are. So, you know, I know, uh, I, again, I feel like I say this every time we have a guest on, but I sit back and I was a fan today hearing you talk and I've, I've heard you talk plenty of times and I was still just (laughs) as engaged as I was from day one. So it was a, it it was a pleasure and, and it was a super awesome conversation from my perspective.
0: Thanks Trevor. I really, of course, that's, uh, that's awesome hearing from you. Um, you know, hope, hopefully this is good enough for I can be a co-host someday. And we can we'll get, oh, we'll get you back on.
2: <laughs> we'll get you back on. There's no doubt about it. I tell and, you what,
0: uh, I'm not. I'm not afraid uh, of drinking uh, pumpkin spice latte. I'll tell you that <laughs> much. From, from your previous guest, he's got, like a, he's got a big, big issue with anybody that you know drinks that, but you know. Uh, it's well, and, and I don't, and I don't, uh, hold it against you guys that he went first because he is, a, he, I. <laughs> uh, we saved
2: the best for last on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: <laughs> right. Which don't is don't what, next week we've got Matt trait. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: uh, I don't know about that, but I will say I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to be in the area in a couple weeks and, uh, I'll be out there as a fan, and I'm excited for that experience. Yeah, that's great. are going be,
0: to North Carolina, and you're going to be in Delaware. Can't wait.
2: For the first weekend. <laughs> the second weekend, I'll be back home, and I'll be there to watch, and uh, I'll be questioning every move you make because I never got to do that ever before. I so appreciate I'm gonna, that. i take the opportunity. I heard you're going there.
0: out to dinner with like our whole coaching staff on Wednesday. I didn't even get invited. Yeah. <laughs>
2: you're more than welcome to come you always have been i got it invite is always thanks thanks for coming on absolutely this was fun we should do this again tomorrow Uh,
1: we'll do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we could we could but w- no doubt i mean i know you're going to get busy here but we'll, we'll be checking in throughout the season and and hopefully you know previewing a a regional hosted in in Hockessin Delaware <laughs> and getting and we'll get you
0: Dan's hometown Yep. <laughs> Ocasindau uh, I'm on tomorrow because tomorrow would be date night and hmm. i would be remiss not to say that the reason that we uh everything that we do is all about karen um i mean it, it, as far as baseball skips taught me everything i know but i'm pretty lucky that she's taught me how to be a great person so um she taught me to be a great person and then now i'm just trying to you know pass that all along the way
1: everybody who's been around that program completely agrees with that sentiment there's no doubt about that that two of my favorite people
0: i've ever met in my life for sure there you go definitely (laughs) and and i'm I'm like one of the you know top 500
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's great love it and and the pumpkin spice the pumpkin spice con uh comment that you made that just tr- proves that you're a loyal listener to the end of the episode. I know we you caught some <laughs> flack on one of our episodes that <laughs> <about laughs> you not listening to the episodes. That proves that you're listening. That was a that was a test there that and you passed with flying colors. So we're we're very <laughs> thankful for your uh loyal listenership to to the podcast. And and I I really we,
0: enjoyed the weekend mailbag. So if anybody has has any questions for trevor and dan i'm sure it's great
1: thank you (laughs) Appreciate Definitely. It. <laughs> See, there you go. If anybody has any questions, slide in the DMS, uh, making sure you're following on all the social channels, making sure you're following Goldie Beacon baseball this year. Um, we all know that they're going to have a successful season and, and we'll be making sure we're following up and, and following up with coach Riley, hopefully at the midway point, at least maybe daily for all we know, we're going to be as we, his daily radio show here. Like, like he's a big time college football coach in a small town, <laughs> get, get him on every day. And, and it would be, it would definitely be a, a very good conversation every time we did but you know we're, we're super excited for this conversation we hope everybody enjoyed um, you know all the, all the different stuff we talked about and you walk away learning something but other than that we're super excited for what this podcast has really this week uh, we got a lot of content coming up a couple more guests couple getting into preview season um, so making sure you're subscribing on all podcast platforms. Send a five-star review. It helps us grow the podcast as much as possible. But until then, we'll see you guys on the next podcast.